Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Cool. So in 2009, we moved from Birmingham to Manchester, and uh, we loved living in Birmingham. We had lots of friends there, many of whom we're still in contact net with now. And the first nine years of our uh, me and Vic being married was uh, all in Birmingham. And so, in a funny way, I kind of think of Birmingham as a place we we grew up a little bit. It was a, a good city, and we enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, so for us to move to Manchester actually was a pretty big deal. Uh, we had uh, the, the girls were very little then, so Esther was eight weeks old when we moved, and Abby was two. Uh, and for us to move, actually, God gave me four dreams about moving to Manchester and made it very clear that we should move. And when we got here, we actually quite quickly fell in love with our new city. Now, it seems like quite an odd thing to say, doesn't it? You fall in love with the city. But, but we did. And it seemed to have this life and energy to it that we'd not quite experienced before. Um, now, we were used to living in small towns in the south of England, okay? So we grew up in really soul-crushingly dull places like Bedford. Very, very slow, boring place. So moving to a big northern city, uh, actually with a really strong identity, had quite an effect on us. And I remember, for example, I love going to see bands and, and going to gigs, and we found at Manchester you're, you're tripping over all those sorts of things. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and when I, we first moved up, I decided to research the area that we moved into, area called Levenshulme, and discovered there was this blog at the time called Love Levenshulme. So I, I wrote to them and said, oh, I'm moving to the city. And, and they said, oh, you can write for us. So I started writing. I was like, what can I write about? I'll write about every kebab shop in Levenshulm. So I did a tour of the kebab shops in Levenshulm, which was not sustainable good food, let me tell you that. And there was not much vegetarian there, so I regret it deeply. But I won a blog award for doing that. Can you believe it? Within a few months of moving to the city, I was an award-winning writer. Who knew these things could happen about kebabs, obviously, but still. So, um, and we fell in love with our city, and actually... If you are not from Manchester, if you don't live here and you're a bit rude about it, I get pretty defensive pretty quickly. We're, we're not going to be friends if, that, if that's the case. Um, but it is a flawed and broken city as well, isn't it? Like all uh, human conurbations, there is beauty, there is pain. That's what cities are like. And I came to realise that the place that we live and how we choose to live there is very important. How we behave has a huge impact on the place that we live. How we even think about the place is very important. So we're going through this series, Creation Matters, and this evening I want us to think about the land that we live on. Think about the city that we live in and how we, how we think about that in a biblical way. So the Bible actually has a very clear sense of land. So land is mentioned like a couple of thousand times in the Old Testament and about 250 times in the New Testament. And God makes dozens of promises to Abraham, for example, about the land, about what will be given to them. 
And really what we see, if you were to read this through and follow this theme of land, that actually God wanted something very simple. He wanted a people for himself and he wanted to give that people a land. He gifted it to them. It was his to give to them. And the job of this people, as God understood it, as he tried to teach them, actually was really very, very simple. The job of this people, of God's people, was redemption. They were to represent gods on earth. They were to live as his example, to be his image in creation. Now, actually, in the Old Testament times, there were numbers of nations around Israel, and they would have had their own temples. And in their temple, they would have had an image of their God. So it would have been a stone or a wooden statue. And if you read the Old Testament, you see many examples of this. But in the temple of the Jewish people of Israel, there was no statue. There was no image of their gods. That's because humans went into that temple. Humans were the image that gods wanted. Humans were the image that he wanted in his creation. And actually, this promised land he gave to them was another example of the temple. They were to be his people representing him in this land and to the earth. And so it's a very physical plan, actually. It's about God, his people, and his place, his land. And it's about the relationship between the three of those. So sometimes we can we can remove the physical from our faith, can't we? We can make it very spiritual. We can think of it in terms of our praying. We can think of it in terms of our Bible reading. We can even think of it in terms of the things that we believe, that we sign up to in our head. And we forget, actually, our faith is played out as we go to work. Our faith is played out as we socialize. Our faith is played out as we buy things. Our faith is played out as we eat Our faith is played out as we choose to live in our city. And Jeremiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, he understood this. And he wanted to help the people of Israel to understand this better. So we're going to join Jeremiah at a certain point in history. And at this point in history, Israel, God's people, had been taken out of that promised land. They'd been taken into exile. They'd been taken to Babylon. Uh, And that's where they were. They've been taken away from their land forcibly uh, and put into this new land. Uh, And uh, actually, we see this happening now in Ukraine. We hear stories of Ukrainians being forcibly removed and taken to Russia uh, and forced to live there instead. Actually, humanity has a very long history of doing this. If you want to break a nation, you want to break a people group, you take them from their homes, their lives, you move them to a completely different place uh, and you force them to live there. But in Israel, in this people at the time, there are a number of prophets who were saying, God will bring you back soon. It will happen quickly. Everyone will be back in Israel. Everything will be fine again. All of your enemies will be destroyed. You've done nothing wrong at all. And Jeremiah said, look, that's completely wrong. They're false prophets. God actually has a very different plan for you. And he wrote, he wrote to the people in exile. And he says this in Jeremiah 29, which will come up behind me. Thanks, guys. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts. This is what Jeremiah is writing. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens 
and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. So we find Israel, the people of God, at a moment in their history when they had become incredibly proud. They'd become incredibly independent, independent of God. They'd also become really quite nationalistic as well. And they had turned their back on God's. The relationship between God's, his people, and his land had been broken. Ultimately, they had walked away from their purpose. Their purpose was simply to be God's people. And actually, Christchurch Manchester, that is true for us today. That is our purpose, to be God's people, to be God's people in God's creation, in God's land. We are still part of his redemptive plan for creation. Our part is to be God's people. Am I repeating myself a little bit here? Well, actually, yes, but it's important because sometimes as Christians, particularly Christians of the West, it's very easy for us to go into task mode. And that's where we go first. Okay, we think, okay, I'm a Christian. What must I do? (coughs) Firstly, oh, I must serve the poor, must be generous with my money, change my shopping habits, whatever I must do. I must live in these ways. But first thing we must do is remember who we are. So tomorrow morning, when you go to work or you go to your lectures or or you go to your exams, whatever you're going to (coughs) do, the first thing to think is, I am one of God's people. That is your, your first thing. Identity for us is vital. So thinking, I am one of God's people. Identity is vital because behavior is formed by identity, right? So if you uh, go to work uh, thinking, I I have no purpose, I hate this job, I'm no one in particular, then that will form your behavior. If you go to work thinking, I'm wonderful, this place would be entirely lost without me, I'm king of this office, then that will form your behavior as well. Identity is very important. And Israel had forgotten who they were. They had forgotten they were God's people. They'd actually become like the other nations around them. They were warlike. They were immoral. They worshipped other gods. They did not look after the poor. Actually, they did not look after the land that they lived on. And consequently, God allowed Israel to be removed from the land. Remember, it wasn't their land. It was the land that God had given them. Even though they'd become quite nationalistic, they thought, this is my land. This is our land. They sound quite a bit like the British, their island mentality. This is our island. It's ours completely. No one else can come here or have a piece of it at all. Actually, it's all God's. In a hundred years, there'll be other people here. In a thousand years, who knows what we will remember. So Jeremiah calls Israel to remember this. Remember your identity. You are called to live for God regardless, actually, of where you live. And if you live for God, he wants them to get this. Look, if you live for God, if you remember who you're meant to be, your identity, it actually has a profound effect on the people, on the place around you. A profound effect 
on the physical worlds, on where you live, on how you live there. And he gives us a few clues, and we're just going to look at these clues. And the first thing he says, look, this is how you can have a profound effect. First of all, build and settle. He says, build houses and live in them. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Plant gardens and eat their produce. So in, uh, in our Gorton site, we have a couple who live there, or a family who are part of that church, called Charles and Mary Kachitsa. And Charles and Mary are wonderful people, uh, and they are from Malawi. Okay? And they moved over here uh, to Manchester, they tell me, about 20 years ago. Okay? Uh, and they come from a particular city in Malawi. But they've moved here and are effectively a little bit like exiles. They have, like uh, Jeremiah is instructing the Israelites, they have built their life here. They have made Manchester their home, even though it's still not quite their home. So when you get talking to them, you realize that they are Malawian. They love Malawi. Uh, uh, Charles particularly, actually, and both of them are very ingrained in the Malawian community. Uh, Charles, I think, knew the president of Malawi. These uh, people are Malawian. But their kids actually feel a bit differently about it. They were born and raised in Manchester, many of them, so they're not quite as convinced by the Malawi thing. They see themselves as Manchester kids. Uh, It's fascinating to watch them. And actually, many people experience this. Many can flee war, perhaps like the Israelites were doing, or be taken captive and moved to a different place. Maybe it's much less dramatic. Maybe they move nations for a job, as may be the case, or to to go to university. And in that place, you build yourself into your new home, and it becomes your home, but it's still not quite your home. It's a strange feeling. But Jeremiah is saying, look, your first job is to build and settle. And actually, this is a good model for us, okay, of how we are to view ourselves in Manchester, or whatever place we happen to live in. Actually, we remember our relationship with God. We are his people. It is his land. And so you think, okay, well, how do we live in this land then? Well, there are a few different ways we can approach living in the land. Okay, we can go with approach number one. It's not our land. So you could say it's nothing to do with us. We, we, we ignore it. It's not our problem. We ignore the land. And actually, uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to a church in Thessalonica, who'd begun to get into this mentality. He warns them, look, you need to be careful on how you're living. They were so convinced that Jesus was going to return in a matter of days or really soon that they kind of gave up on where they lived. They quit their jobs. They were ignoring the city. They were becoming very super spiritual. And they were forgetting, actually, we have a place in the world. And they effectively stopped caring about the place they lived And they're calling to be God's people in God's lands. So we could approach it that way. It's not ours. Or we could go in a different way. We could say, it is ours. We could say, this land is more important to us than God's. We become, in that moment, a bit like the land. So again, Paul wrote to another church in Corinth, another city at the time. And they were beginning to live like everybody else in the city of Corinth. They were giving into idolatry and immorality and causing themselves all sorts of problems. And Paul is saying, look, actually, you are called to live differently. You're meant to be holy, and the holy is to be set apart. It's to look different. So you're not called to live in the land like the land owns you. 
actually, or that it's entirely your land and you become exactly like it. So we can approach it like it's not ours or it is our land, or you can go at it like it's God's land, remembering our identity. We are God's people in God's land, which actually, if you ever meet Charles and Mary, you realize that's what they do. So Jeremiah's prophetic instruction to exiles actually rings very true today. Jeremiah is reminding them, look, life is pretty hard for you. It is. Disaster has come upon them. I don't know about you. I do not know what that feels like, to be taken from your country, put into another country, and just be told you've got to get on with it. This is the way the world is now. Knowing that your own country has been decimated, that is where they, uh, the mindset that they were in, but Jeremiah's saying, in that situation, there is a way to live, a way to be God's chosen people. And that is to have relationship with him and serve the place you live. So when he wrote, okay, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, he wanted them to build and to settle. He knew that they were going to be there for a generation or two. They were going to, their kids were going to be born there. Their kids were not going to remember Israel as it was. They weren't going to remember the temple. He wanted them to commit to the place because actually committing to caring about a place really matters. So how do we do that? How do we commit to a place? And it sounds a bit obvious, but we can, we can spiritualize this a little bit if we're not too careful. Actually, we can think, right, I must join the church. I'm going to commit to a place. I must look after the poor. I must be brilliant at evangelism as well. I need to care for the environment. I need to do all of these things. I must commit to a place. But actually, Jeremiah's first step is get somewhere to live. Seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? Build a house. Provide for yourself and your family. When you do that, you become more invested in the place. Live in a permanent way, not a temporary way. So in this part of Christchurch Manchester, we have over the years had any number of students join us, which I love. I love it when they turn up and they're 18 and it's just craziness. It's wonderful. It's one of my favorite times of the year in Freshers Weekends when people turn up and it's brilliant. It's party central. And then in about November, they've run out of money. I just, it's great fun. I really enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, but my favourite bit is usually, uh, maybe into their fourth year of living in Manchester, they actually begin to settle. That's my hope. When people get a job in the city, it's a wonderful thing. It shows a commitment to the city, actually. You know what? I'm going to build, I'm going to settle. So a friend of mine, Andy McCulloch, he does training for missionaries. And often the missionaries come to him full of beans. Yeah, we're going to go to this nation everyone's going to be saved, usually in a couple of weeks. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be brilliant. And Andy says, no, you spend two years. Just don't do anything else. Get your house. Learn how to go shopping in this new country. Build your family life there. Make friends. Settle and build. It's really important. That's how we show commitment. So we build and settle. What else does Jeremiah say? He says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. The important line there is do not decrease. Very important. God's people are meant to grow in number. Excuse me. 
God's people are meant to grow in number. Why is that? Because more of us have greater impact. And actually, the, the church in the UK is tuned out of talking about this a little bit because we tend not to grow in number. But numbers absolutely matter. Increased number has greater impact. And that doesn't need to be a rapid thing. Actually, Jesus, in Matthew 13, he talked about the mustard seed being tiny, kingdom of God being small, but then it grows and becomes something significant. He also talked about the woman who put leaven in the flour, and eventually all the flour was leavened. Jeremiah knew that slowly, over time, the exiles would become change agents in their city. Was it by tactics and strategy and throwing lots of money and investing in it? No, it was by them committing to God's, committing to their city, and slowly but surely growing in the city. Actually, we need to pray for our city. We need to pray, actually, that we increase in number. See, it's, that's a, it's a pastor's prayer. And people think, ah, oh, the pastor prays for more people, so it feels good on a Sunday. That's what we're praying for. But actually, when we go for increase in number, it means, actually, there are more people that love God in the city. That's important for us. We need to pray for salvation in this city. Actually, the reason that we put on this conference, the Renewal for Revival one, the broadcast conference, is actually we're desperate to see something happen. And uh, we want to get together with other people, talk about it, pray about it, and be God's people. See, it's really important. When we remember our identity, God's people in God's lands, actually city, the land begins to change. Actually, this morning, there was a girl who was there who's been twice to CCM. Once last week, second time this morning. This morning, she brought her friend from work. She just breezed in happily. I brought my friend, uh, and we just chatted away. And then we discovered this friend had never been to church in her life. And she was like, yeah, of course I brought her along. It's no problem at all. It's a wonderful thing. Actually, we want to increase, not decrease. Finally, Jeremiah says, we seek peace and prosperity for ourselves and our city. He said, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. He wanted this exile community to look outward, not inwards. Imagine reading that when you've just been dragged out of your homes, taken to another city. Look outward, not inwards. How do we do that? How do we seek the welfare of our city. Actually, we need to have very open eyes, open eyes to the, the state of the place we live, seek its welfare. Perhaps we can see the problem of loneliness in our city, huge problem of loneliness. Very simple to think, I need to widen the circle of friends that I have. I need to think about the person that perhaps other people find difficult, I need to bring them in. Jeremiah wanted the exiles to not think as victims, to not be powerless, instead to be proactive, to be agents of change in the city. So when we talk about planting sites around Manchester, also in Europe, when we talk about School of Theology, School of Ministry, whatever it might be, the things we want to do, when we talk about uh, you going to your workplace or to your schools or to university, actually, is God's people living in God's land? That's what we're talking about. 
I like thinking of Manchester as God's city, right? And that's not just that I'm proud of Manchester thing. Actually, Liverpool is God's city as well. So is Birmingham. So is Salford. So even is Bedford. These are God's places. And each time we, we live in that way, with that identity, actually we begin to change the place we are. We get to seek the welfare of the city. And in its welfare, we will find our welfare. 